Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. We have a wonderful guest today, a veteran of media and television, who's held a number of roles, especially in leadership and management. And it is a treat to have Jerry Rose on the podcast. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. And uh, been wanting to. We've been wanting to have Jerry on for quite a while, and we're able to. Uh, make the stars and the moon and the planets all aligned yeah. so, that, so that the dates and the time. Yeah, as, I, yeah, as I recall, we, we talked about this quite a while ago, so I'm glad yeah. we could finally put it together. Very, very good. For those that don't know, Jerry K. Rose uh, has been for the longest time the president and the general manager. I'm sure many different hats he's worn with WCFC TV in Chicago. We'll talk about that, but that really went into a much larger sphere, which is Total Living Network, and we'll get to that as well. I wanted to ask you, Jerry, um, your family, you are a Texan. My mom's family is from Texas, San Angelo, and uh, so I'm proud of the Texas side of my family. You started out in Texas, and how did you get into broadcasting? What, what was the start for you? Where, where did you begin? Well, I am a Texan. You know, we, we lived in Illinois for uh, a lot of years and now in Arizona. But, you know, once you're a Texan, you're always a Texan. Mm -hmm. So I still identify with my, with my Texas roots. But I actually, uh, in about, about 15, 16 years old, uh, felt a uh, call to ministry and had really no idea what, what direction that ministry was to take. But at the time... Um, I thought probably it would be evangelism. And uh, so as a teenager, um, I, was a, I was a teen evangelist. And uh, uh, I had, we had a small team who would sing and preach. And we traveled all over North Texas. In fact, I still have some of the clippings from teen evangelists coming to town back in those days. Mm. Um, but then I, I um, was also very involved in high school sports um, and really wasn't sure you know what I was supposed to do but I, I had uh, thought about going to in fact had, had practically enrolled uh, in Southwestern Bible Institute in Waxahachie, Texas um, but instead was offered a track scholarship and so I ended up in secular college and uh, started at Parrish Junior College and then went to North Texas, uh, what, what was at that time, North Texas State University. And it was there that I really began to try to sort through what God wanted me to do. And just as clearly as I heard God call me to ministry when I was about 15 or 16, uh, God spoke to me and told me that I was to be in, uh, in television, that my, my life in ministry was going was going to be spent in television. And I, I'm Assembly of God, and at that time, we had just worked our way past radio, and television was pretty much still the devil's box. So, you know, to try to explain to some of my, uh, some of the leadership in the North Texas, Texas District of the Assemblies of God that God had called me to television, 
was, uh, was a stretch. Um, but I had a high school speech teacher that was a, uh, had been a good friend and had really taken an interest in me in high school and had worked with me and I, I narrated, hosted the high school assemblies and so forth. Um, and so when I felt God was calling me into that, I, I was already in communications and uh, the dramatic arts. But I called him. He had left the high. He had left uh, the uh, the high school, and was working for an educational TV station. And I called him and I said, "Look, you know, I I want to be in television. You know, could you give me a job?" Well, there was a job for a trainee cameraman opened, um, and that, I think it's about 1964, 62, 63, something like that. And so uh, I took the job, and that's how I got started uh, with an with an educational television station in Dallas, which is now PBS, K-E-R-A-T-V. Was there for two or three years. Uh, ended up doing a couple of stints as a, as a radio announcer, radio disc jockey, and, um, but always wanted to be in, in television. Ended up with uh, WFAA in Dallas. And it was there that I began to really get some experience. I, I worked on the production crew, um, and actually, uh, if you re if you know the name Charlie Jones and sure. uh, Vern Lundquist, yes, um, Charlie. When I first got to WFAA, Charlie was uh, the sports guy, and uh, so you know I, I knew Charlie through that. But then he left, and Vern Lundquist came in as just the new guy on the block. And I was a floor director for the six and 10 o'clock news. And so I got to know Vern pretty well and delightful, delightful guy. But then also WFAA had a, a deal with ABC to where they sent, uh, they supplied uh, crews for ABC wide world and some of the other uh, NCAA events and so forth. So I would work uh, nights uh, on the crew and then on the weekends uh, I would take off with ABC Wide World of Sports and that was back when we were still using um, you know some of the older the Marconi the Marconi cameras um, and then began to do sports uh, football uh, pro football sports so my background in those days was it was just a learning process and I think God wanted that God knew what I was going to need for later uh, in order for me to, uh, uh, to be what I, to do what I was, he had called me to do later. Uh, with that then, I, I uh, also uh, directed, uh, I was a commercial director. I later left WFAA, but before I did, I worked with a guy in Dallas named Ron Chapman. Uh, Ron was a legendary figure in Dallas and was one of the very first uh, top 40 radio disc jockeys under uh, Gordon, I think it's Gordon McLean or something like that, who started, who actually launched uh, rock and roll in Dallas uh, at KLIF. And uh, I ended up on a show called Something Else, which was a teen rock and roll show back in the band, uh, the American Bandstand days. And we had, uh, we had uh, some dancers on the show. And then we had, uh, I was the set designer and one of the camera crew. And everybody who was anybody came through that show. 
uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, Sonny and Cher, everybody came through that show and it was a, it's a legendary show. Well, as a Christian, you know, I'm asking the question, God, you know, what, what am I doing here? What, you know, what, what is all this? But it was almost like God was saying, follow me, you know, just keep being obedient, keep, keep moving and accepting. Later then, I became the operations manager. I went to, actually went to uh, Doubleday Broadcasting when they bought a station in Dallas and um, ended up as a uh, producer director, commercial director. How old, how old would you have been about that time? I was, uh, I was in my mid, early to mid twenties. Okay. Uh, by that time, by the time I got to uh, uh, about the 27, I had just married. And uh, one of the reasons that I left WFAA is because I didn't want to work on the teen rock and roll show anymore. And I was working nights and traveling on the weekends with ABC and I just needed to spend, I had just gotten married. I needed to spend time with my wife. So I left, went to Doubleday Broadcasting, became a producer director, and uh, then they promoted me to their uh, to their CBS affiliate as the operations manager. And so, and that was in El Paso, Texas. Um, it was 114th Market, but it was their most successful television station at the time. And uh, so it was there then. You know, I I had really thought, Craig, that I would, I would get involved in commercial television, and after a couple of years, um, I would know enough about it that uh, then God would open the door to Christian television. And after about the fourth or fifth year, uh, I went through a lot of a lot of frustration because I knew God had called me to, to to Christian television, but no doors were open. In fact, there was very little in Christian television back in those days. There weren't a lot of stations and there really was hardly a network, was there? Uh, yeah, there was, there was very little. I remember when Oral Roberts started, uh, he really developed, you know, at first he had the program uh, where he just sat on the stool and prayed for people. But then he expanded that into a really dynamic uh, Christian television program. And I remember sitting in a conference room with tears in my eyes and saying, God, you know, when are you going to allow me to be a part of something like that? Um, but it was 11 years later before that happened. And I remember going to a, to a meeting one time and this young guy was speaking at a church, talking about the vision he had for Christian television. And he talked about how that he was going to open a Christian television station and all of the, you know, all of these things. And after the service, I went up to him and I said, I'm interested in also Christian television. And he said, uh, well, you know, tell me your experience. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I've been running cameras and so forth. And this was actually before I, I did anything in television. And I said, I'm in, at North Texas State and I run cameras. And so he said, well, tell me about your cameras. And I said, well, you know, we have a monitor sitting over here and we, you know, the cameras over here. He said, oh, well, we have we have monitors on top of our TVs. That wow. was Pat Robertson. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and Pat was just getting started. And they were, I mean, they had, their television at that time was just about as primitive as you can get. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, that I, I, I'll, I'll never forget that meeting because, you know, he was passionate about Christian television. Um, 
And I really identified with where he was going with it, but it would be quite a while before I would uh, have any other dealings with Pat Robertson. So I was the operations manager of a CBS affiliate um, and uh, producing, we also produced basketball games and so forth for the uh, University of Texas at El Paso. And Shirley and I then had an opportunity to go on the mission field with the Assemblies of God. And I, I, had, a, I had a plan, which was called the International Communications Division of the Assemblies of God, that I presented. They were very excited about it. It was way before its time, uh, very premature, but they were excited about it. And we were going to Africa to begin to put it together. And in the midst of that, God just really spoke to my heart and said, no, you know, that's not what I want you to do. And about that time, I got a call from Pat Robertson. And uh, Pat um, said, I'm opening a station in Dallas and I keep hearing your name. Would you be interested? And I said, no, I would not. We're going to the mission field. Well, to make a long story short, uh, that was obviously where God wanted us. And so um, I left AA Broadcasting and went to uh, Dallas and we launched Pat Station, KXTX TV there, uh, out of an old warehouse building. Uh, a group had tried to put together a Christian television station and it didn't work. It came apart. So we took over what remained of that and started um, the Dallas TV station. So that was my entree then into Christian television. We're talking to Jerry K. Rose on this wonderful conversation. We'll be back in 32 seconds. This podcast features engaging conversations with leaders, artists, and creatives sharing about current trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. Today's episode is produced by Matchstick Media International, a nonprofit that's passionate about inspiring both visionary leaders and young creatives to harness the power of media to further the gospel. To learn more, visit us at matchstickmedia.org. Now, back to Craig. We're talking on the podcast with Jerry K. Rose, for those of you just listening in, who's not only been a station manager, worked in operations, all kinds of production, which is a fantastic background for anyone moving their way up into leadership. Uh, they can, they know what happens behind the camera, not just what's in front of the camera. And that's so valuable uh, on the podcast. We're talking to him. Uh, how, how do you get from Dallas now to WCFC in Chicago? Because there's got to be some interesting stair steps to that. Well, there really was, but you know, the other, the other thing to keep in mind here is that all through all of that uh, commercial experience, uh, I was still involved in ministry. You know, I was working in church. I had uh, gotten my basic minister's license in the Assemblies of God in, in actually in the North Texas district um, and was uh, spoke frequently in uh, youth rallies and so forth. So I was still all this time, I was still very involved in ministry and looking for that opportunity that I could become involved in Christian television. So now we're in Dallas and working for Pat Robertson. Uh, Pat asked me to come to Virginia uh, to become the operations manager of, of CBN at that time, which was uh, located uh, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And I, I knew somehow that God had something else. I wasn't sure exactly what it was, but I knew that God had something else beyond that 
but uh, we felt that the Lord was leading us to do that. And so we made the decision to go. But meanwhile, before we left, a young man from uh, uh, the Chicago area uh, called me and said, uh, I, I would like to spend some time with you. We're talking about there's a group in Chicago that are trying to put together a Christian television station. And I'm meeting and just doing sort of a, uh, a fact-finding tour. And I would like to spend some time with you. Uh, his name was Steve Warner. He pastored a, a church in Chicago. Uh, so he came, he came, we visited, uh, and we talked for a while, and, and I just felt connected with this guy. And I said, hey, why don't, why don't you just spend the night with us? And let's just keep talking. And we did. And uh, so the next day he left and went back and told Owen Carr, who was the founder of our ministry, uh, said, I think I found the guy that we should have here as the president. And uh, so I got a call from Owen Carr. And remember, I'm a Texan. And uh, he said, uh, we would like for you to come to Chicago and talk about um, helping us for this ministry and, and taking it over and leading the way. And I said, well, you know, I appreciate it, but I'm not the least bit interested in moving to Chicago. I said, I'm a Texan. Uh, you know, I really have never thought about living on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line. Um, and so I'm not interested, but if I can think of somebody, I'll let you know. I'll give you a call. And uh, so I left it at that. But my wife, Shirley, said, I'm going to tell you something, and it's not because I want to move to Chicago. I'm telling you this because I somehow feel God may be leading us. To, to take that offer. And I said, no, uh, you know, first of all, what they're talking about is impossible. I said, none of them know anything about broadcasting or television. And I said, second of all, they don't have any money. And I said, I can't imagine a, a more difficult place to try to build a Christian television station than Chicago. And I said, so I'm really not interested, but I couldn't get away from it, Craig. I, the more I thought about it and every time I would pray that would come back to mind. And so about, I think it's about two weeks later, I called Owen Carr back and I said, so have you found anybody for that position? And he said, uh, no, I haven't. I said, well, I'm just checking. He said, I'm still thinking. Uh, I haven't come up with anybody. <clears throat> so I hung up the phone. About five minutes later, he called me back. He said, were you asking that out of curiosity or interest? And I said, well, Really, I guess out of interest. Well, God really led us into that position. And I remember going and interviewing with them. And we had a break in the interview. And one of the board, directors, the board of directors said, could we go outside and talk for a minute? So we stepped outside and he said, I just want to tell you that we don't have any money. And we could be bankrupt in a month. You just need to know that. And I said, well, you know, that's not my question. My question is, does God want us here? Is God calling us here? And I said, when I answer that question, then I'll, I'll give my answer. Yes. Because if that's, this is where God wants us, the rest is up to him. And so we went back and prayed about it. And Shirley and I both felt that was what we were to do, that we were to go to Chicago. So we went there in 19, actually I went and stayed a month before Shirley ever got there. Um, 
by that time we were in Virginia and I was the, uh, uh, the head of CBN uh, uh, communications. And it was, I got there about, I think about a month early and we started trying to put all this together. We didn't have a construction permit. We didn't have anything. And it looked like the, the impossible task. I mean, it, it, you know, it just was something that, that in the natural never should have happened. And then we just started walking it through step by step by step. God just kept performing one miracle after another. And then we would hit another roadblock, which looked like it was just going to cause us to have to walk away. And God would perform another miracle. And uh, one day we signed on the air out of a, one of the worst little studios you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> what was that like? Well, we didn't, again, we still didn't have any money. I, I finally got a, um, I got RCA. Uh, to give us a loan, but someone had told me, look, the uh, if you buy Japanese equipment, the Bank of Tokyo uh, would probably lend you money. So I told Owen, and Owen and I uh, set a scheduled appointment with the Bank of Tokyo in downtown Chicago. And we went, I'll never forget it, you know, a couple of Japanese fellows, and there was an American guy who was also one of the officials in that bank, was sitting across from us. And they started asking us questions like your balance sheet and, you know, just the basic questions that bankers would ask. And we didn't have anything. We didn't. And so they said, so why are you here? And we said, because people said we'd been told that if you buy Japanese equipment, which we'd be happy to buy, um, that uh, you guys would lend us money. And they said, well, you know, in all, in all due respect, you don't have enough for us to lend you money. And uh, so we said, we understand completely. So as we were walking out, one of the bankers came up to us to show us out the door. And he said, uh, you know what's gonna happen, don't you? And I said, no, what? He said, one of these days, you're gonna walk back in here and you're gonna say to us, you fools, we made it. <laughs> I never went back, but I walked by that bank a number of times after we got on the air. And it was tempting. It really was. But what happened, there was a, a Christian banker, First National Bank of Evergreen Park, Marty Ozinga, that Owen had met. And they sat and talked. And Marty loaned us enough money to a line of credit to get the thing started. And when his bankers, some of his people around him said, why would you dare do that? They don't have anything. Marty said something I've never forgotten. He said, look, I have never been paid one penny by a corporation. It's always been people. And if I have confidence in the people, I can be pretty sure I'm gonna be paid. I've never forgotten that. And over the years, we borrowed millions and paid back millions of dollars uh, at First National Bank of Evergreen. And later, Craig, I had a number of major banks in Chicago who came to us and said, you know, now that you've grown and you're in a position, uh, we would like to offer you better, bigger services. Uh, we know you've been dealing with First National, you know, small bank over in the suburbs. And my response was, you know, uh, that small bank in the suburbs has served us very well. And they were there when nobody else was there. So we're going to stick with them. And so we did. I mean, if I borrowed money today, I'd still borrow it from First National Bank of Evergreen. 
They, uh, you know what? They, they believed in you. He believed in you, and you believed in them. Yeah. Well, and that was it. And and again, we we had a wonderful for years. We had a wonderful relationship. Um, but when we, you know, there's one more story. I don't mean to keep going through all these stories. Oh, but this one is more fun. Story. It's fun to hear this. Yes. Uh, one more story that uh, is just pretty remarkable. Uh, we had the line of credit from First National Bank of Evergreen Park. And we were trying to get our, cons our, our construction permit, because as you know, that's where you start. And so uh, we got a call. We were, we, were, it was, we were having a board meeting the night before. The next day, we went and closed on the station with the Chicago Federation of Labor. And it was a big deal. I mean, it was in the newspapers. Uh, you know, there were critics saying, why do we need Christian television? Uh, the Jewish community was concerned and there was concerns about all this, but it was, it was a big deal in newspapers. And uh, so we're having this meeting and we get a call from the bank, from Marty Ozinga's people. And they say, you know, we have a little bit of an issue here. We said, well, what is it? And they said, in our contract, it says, your license agreement? And we said, yes. And they said, but what you have is a construction permit. And we said, yeah, well, that's tantamount to a license, but you get that, then you put it on, you get your, they said, well, but if you don't have your license, as it calls a contract, then we can't lend you the money. And we said, yes, but we do get it. It's just a matter of when we put everything together. And they said, well, we can't lend you the money until you get your license. Well, and if we didn't get that money, we couldn't close, so it was all over. So we sat in a meeting, and I re I'll never forget, Owen Carr was an incredible man of faith. You know, I, I wish I could have had the kind of faith that man had. But he just knew God had called us to do this. And so he said to the members of the board, gentlemen, for all practical purposes, our vision has died. But now we have to believe God to resurrect it. We're going to that meeting at the Chicago Federation of Labor tomorrow. And we're going to trust God to provide. Well, <laughs> I woke up the next morning and I thought, God, if there's any place else I could be this morning, I would prefer to be there. You know, I, I wish I could just go walk in the woods and not have this stress and not have this feeling that I'm struggling with right now. Because at that meeting that day, were representatives of the John Hancock Corporation because we were going to be in the John, our antenna was on top of the John Hancock. Uh, people from the Chicago Federation of Labor. I mean, it was a pol political guys. I mean, this was a big deal in Chicago and all of them, like 22 guys are going to be at this meeting. So we go to this meeting and Owen says, you know, we need to talk. Could you put us in a separate room for a few minutes? And they said, yes, we could. So they put us in a separate room and we're sitting there. I mean, we're just sitting there. And occasionally Owen would say, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And we sat there and they would come in occasionally and say, you know, okay, so what's happening? We'd say, you know, we'll be ready later. And so then our attorney came in and he had this stack of material and Owen explained to him what was going on, and the guy panicked. I mean, our attorney just panicked, and rightly so. 
And uh, so he's saying, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So I think it was about 30 minutes sitting in this room when our banker walked in with his attorney. And he came in and he sat down and he said, we have been on the phone with the Federal Communications Commission for about two hours. And they have given us their assurances that you will get your license. And here is your $600,000. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, looking, looking back on that, you know, my question was, if, I, if somebody would have told me they did that, I would have thought they were crazy. But we were at a point to where I, I guess we were willing to be fools if that's what it took. But Owen believed God had called him to do this. And there was no retreat, no retreat. And we believed in him and we believed that God had called us to do it. And so if it meant sitting in that room until God provided an answer, then that's what we were going to do. I don't know I could ever do that again. I don't know that I could do that again, but we did at that time. And that was the salvation of TV 38, because if we walked out, it would have been over. And, you know, I've looked back on that many times about, you know, how far do you go with faith? And it, it's hard to tell people how far you go with faith. But if there's something inside that you know, and you know that God is telling you to sit there, then you sit there. And so that's what happened. Well, that got us started. But I, I remember then when we finally closed and <clears throat> I told Owen, who knew nothing about television, I told Owen, I said, okay, so now we have it. I said, now the real challenge begins because I have to program this thing 24 hours a day. And I said, now the big challenge begins. And uh, so those were the, you know, the, those are the first beginnings. We rented a, a little abandoned, practically abandoned uh, warehouse in downtown Chicago over in, in the Bowery. And um, we rented a remote truck and we were actually working, started by working out of a remote truck. And that's how we actually signed the station on. Uh, but that first night we were on, I'll never forget it, a Memorial Day. Memorial Day, 1976, about, I think it was about eight or 10 years later, I was at uh, Moody. We were doing a, uh, a big production over Moody. And uh, one, of the, one of the staff walked up to me and told me his name. And he said, uh, I was saved watching your TV station. I said, wow. really? Wow. He said, uh, yes. He said, in fact, it was the first night you guys signed on. And I was watching and the excitement just got hold of me, and God spoke to my heart. So that night, I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Mm. Um, you know, and I don't know how many more that that first crazy night that was just uh, a wild night trying to get everything together and you know put put this thing together on a shoestring budget. Uh, but uh, God used that, and over the years, God has used. TV 38 and TLN in some absolutely remarkable ways. And I look at it and I, you know, I'm just amazed that God allowed me to be a part of it and to, uh, and to see it through. This is, I think I'm, we're in our 42nd year now uh, with the ministry. 
And, uh, you know, we're facing challenges like everybody else, big challenges now. Uh, but, uh, you know, you just keep facing them, don't you, Craig? Great conversation with Jerry K. Rose. Lots of wisdom uh, and experience. We will continue this conversation in the next episode. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.